Amen. Thank you, Price. Praise team leading us in worship today. It's good to sing God's praises with His people. It's really kind of like a dress rehearsal for heaven. You guys sounded good today. Scientists tell us that approximately 60% of the human body is comprised of water. Doctors say that depending upon your weight and height and level of exercise and activity, that you need to drink upwards of 80 ounces of water each day. The maximum amount of time that a person can live without water is generally somewhere between three days and a week. Water is essential to human life. That's just how God designed us. That's why when we experience the sensation of thirst, we are driven to find something to drink to quench that thirst. Our body needs water. I would say the thirstiest that I've ever been in my life was the first time I got to mow and weed eat the Elvis Presley RV park over in Memphis, Tennessee as a 13-year-old teenager. It was hot. It was humid. It was June. I just wasn't used to working that hard as a 13-year-old. And it was a long day. I think that I drank our two igloo jugs full of sweet tea, six bottles of water because that was all the water that we had. And then when we got home, I drank a Coke because it was in the fridge and it was cold. And I drank four more cups of water and just anything that I could put into my body, I did because I was thirsty. I needed something to drink. There are many reasons that people become thirsty. Did you guys help me out this morning? What are some reasons that people grow thirsty and need to get something to drink? Shout out a few. Exercise. Somebody else said something. It's hot. What else? Something you've eaten? Yeah. Especially if you eat my cooking, right? You need a whole lot to drink after that. There's a lot of reasons people can become thirsty. Sometimes maybe you even slept a really long time and you wake up and you just feel like your throat, your mouth is parched. You need something to drink. Sometimes you're sick and you need more fluids to just help you feel better. There are many reasons that people grow thirsty. Just as we experience a sense of thirst in order to drive us to get the water that our bodies physically need, There is also a spiritual thirst within the human heart that drives us. It motivates us to seek satisfaction for our souls. Jesus is the living water who satisfies spiritual thirst. Just as there are various factors that drive physical thirst... There are also multiple variables that cause spiritual thirst. And Jesus is the living water who is able to satisfy every spiritual thirst of every human heart from reasons A to Z. For whatever reason you may be spiritually thirsty, Jesus is the living water who can satisfy your soul. 
So this morning, I want to preach to you about that living water. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. And I want you to understand this main truth. Jesus is the living water who satisfies spiritual thirst. If you have a Bible with you this morning, open it up to John chapter 4. And again, we'll take a look at verses 1 through 26. John 4, 1 through 26. And we're going to read just the first 10 verses as we begin this morning. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I want you to see first that Jesus satisfies the thirst of the alienated. Jesus satisfies the thirst of the alienated. A couple of weeks ago, I preached to you a sermon from these first 10 verses. So I'm not going to spend much time explaining the backstory of how and why Jesus left uh, Judea and came to Samaria. But I will remind you that Jesus was tired from his journey. And he came to Jacob's well to rest at around noontime, according to verse 6. The sixth hour of the day referred to the sixth hour after the sun had risen. It's important to note the time of day because at that point the sun was at or near its peak and it was hot. There may have been a tent or a lean-to, some type of structure that was covering the well and the surrounding few feet to provide some shade and respite from the sun. But walking to and from the well required some exercise. So Jesus sat down to rest. His disciples went off into the nearby town to go and get some food. They were hungry. Historians and Bible scholars tell us that the drawing of water in Jesus' day and time was by and large a woman's chore. This doesn't mean that men could not draw water. This also should not be misinterpreted, guys. If you try to use this verse to tell your wife she has to do the dishes and the laundry, you're wrong, okay? 
But by and large, in Jesus' day and time, this was a woman's job to draw water. We note centuries earlier in Hebrew history that Rebekah drew out water for Isaac's servant in Genesis 24. We note that Reuel's daughters in Exodus 2 drew out water for their father's flocks. Even now, among the Basutu people in Lesotho, where Bryson and I went on a mission trip earlier this year, the women still draw water and bring it back to the house to do their daily chores. We have stereotypical chores amongst us too. Uh, like men have to be the ones to mow the lawn and take out the trash. Right, Steph? There you go. It's just how it works. And so don't, don't think you know, something other than what's going on here. But understand what's going on. Jesus came and sat down by this well. This woman was coming to draw water because it was her chore for the day. Women drew the water. And guys, women are smart, aren't they? Yeah, there you go. The, the women are saying amen. Hey, guys, if you're married, you need to figure this out. Some of you have been married too long. You should have figured it out by now, right? But women are smart. The, the women in Jesus' day would go early in the morning to draw water before it got hot. And they would also go in groups, whether it was friends or family members, neighbors perhaps that lived in close proximity. They would go together for some protection in case they met a stranger with less than honorable intentions along the way. But what are two things that we note about the Samaritan woman coming to the well in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10? One, she did not come early in the morning. She came at noon, in the heat of the day. Two, she did not come with friends. She came alone. It could have been that she wasn't smart. It could have been that she was lazy and just had woken up late. It could have been that she was big enough and brave enough to take care of strangers on her own. But I think that these details give us a clue into this woman's life. I don't think she was big and brave. I just don't think she had any friends. I don't think she was lazy. I just think she didn't want to come with the other people that came to draw water at the well. She was alienated. She was alone. She didn't go with the other ladies to the well. She waited until it was physically uncomfortable to walk in the heat of the day because it was less uncomfortable than dealing with the chatter of all the other ladies around her. And we'll find out why this was probably the case in the next set of verses that we read. But I want to camp out here on this thought for just a moment. Many people are driven to spiritual thirst because they are alienated. They're all alone. They have no one with whom to share their burdens. No one with whom to share their joys. No one with whom to share anything. Sometimes they're alienated due to their own poor decisions. Sometimes they're alienated because they have been abandoned by a parent, a former spouse, maybe by even their entire dysfunctional family. Sometimes people are alone because they annoy other people. Sometimes people are alone because they just don't know how to choose good friends. 
Whatever the case, there are people who are socially alienated and they are spiritually thirsty. And Jesus is the living water who satisfies the spiritual thirst of the alienated. We might think Jesus sounds a little rude when he says, woman, give me a drink. But keep in mind, this is probably more conversation that she was ever expecting to have when she went to the well that day, wasn't it? And Jesus, in his kindness and his compassion, as only he could, when he uttered those words, woman, give me a drink, I guarantee you she didn't, thought, she didn't think he was rude, but she was shocked and surprised. What in the world? I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. I'm a woman here alone. He's a man here at the well. He's asking me for a drink. But Jesus wanted more than just a drink of water from the well that this woman would give to him. Jesus wanted for this woman to drink of the living water that he could offer. Look at verse 10 one more time. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you're here today and you are alienated, Jesus is the living water who can satisfy your spiritual thirst. And he longs to satisfy that thirst. Not only does Jesus satisfy the spiritual thirst of the alienated, he also satisfies the spiritual thirst of the broken. Jesus satisfies the thirst of the broken. Look with me in verses 11 through 18. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Now we have a big clue as to why this woman came to the well alone, don't we? We're not exactly sure how large of a town Sychar was, and how close to Sychar this well was, and how many other towns or outlying villages may have come to this specific well to draw water. But you can imagine 
This woman had been married five times. And now she had a new live-in boyfriend. Her life was a mess. She may have very well messed up the homes and lives of some other women in town. No wonder she didn't want to go to the well with them to draw water. Even if she hadn't committed adultery with their husbands, her immorality and fornication was the talk of the town. There's always somebody out there that people can point to when they've done something bad or wrong or when life isn't going their way and they can say something like this, well, at least I haven't done that. At least my life is not like so-and-so. She was the butt of every one of those comments. At least we're not like her. At least we haven't done what she's done. What's worse is that we may even read a, a hint of a promiscuous advance that she made towards Jesus in verse 15. Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. There's a man alone at the well, engaging in conversation with her. I'm sure she's been used to having inappropriate conversations with men who just wanted her body. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Even if you don't read it that way, you can read it as she's almost mocking or making fun of Jesus. You don't have anything to draw water with. Go ahead and give me the living water then, if, if you can. I'd love to never have to do, do this chore anymore, especially in the heat of the day. However you read it, Jesus read into her life. He knew exactly what was going on. But he understood what was going on in a way that no one else did. You see, everybody talked about this lady because they knew what she had done and who she was. How messed up her life had been and the mistakes that she had made. Jesus knew those mistakes and knew that mess. But Jesus was the one who was willing to pick up the broken pieces of her life that were shattered like a water pot that could no longer hold water. And he was willing to put them back together again and to give her the spiritual water that her soul truly needed. You see, when Jesus said, you've had five husbands and now you've got a guy that's not your husband that you're living with and in an inappropriate relationship with, he was stating her sin. But he was not condemning her. Everybody else pointed out her mistakes so that they could put her down. But Jesus was calling her attention to her own mistakes so that he could lift her up out of the mess that she was in. She was broken and Jesus knew it. But where everybody else would continue to pour their insults and their mockery and their hatred and their ugly comments into her heart and into her life and into her mind, Jesus was willing to pour his compassion and his forgiveness into her broken life. And folks, if you are broken, we're all broken. If you've met somebody that's broken, you know that it takes a lot to minister to somebody in those situations. Jesus 
was not just willing to give a lot. He was willing to give all so that this woman could be spiritually satisfied by the living water that he would offer. Jesus Christ would later be broken himself on the cross for our sins. The sins that this promiscuous woman had committed, the sins that we have committed. And a man who lived a perfect life and not, did not ever sin one time, his body was broken for us who are broken so that we could be put back together to hold the living water that can satisfy us when nothing else and no one else can. We don't know exactly what happened with this woman. Maybe she had an abusive husband. Maybe she had a husband that just left her and abandoned her. Maybe she was the cause of every single one of these divorces and had committed adultery in every one of the relationships that she had been in. We don't know. We just know that she was broken. She probably made some bad decisions along the way. Others had probably hurt her. But Jesus was willing to help her. And he was more than just willing to help her. He was able to put the broken pieces of her life back together. To restore beyond repair. To give her living water that she truly needed. I kind of think that she kept going from one guy to the next. Thinking maybe this time it will make me happy. Maybe this time it will bring me fulfillment. And listen to me. For this woman it just happened to be bad relationships with bad guys. But for you who are here today. It may not be bad relationships with bad guys. Guys, it could be one porn site to the next. You think, man, if I can just have this gratification and this fulfillment, it will make me happy. But it leaves you more miserable every time. Folks, it may be drugs that you turn to. And you think, if I just take this pill or do this thing, it will help me overcome the grief and the hurt and the heartache that I have. It may be feelings of anger and bitterness towards someone who has hurt you. If I could just get this type of revenge upon them. If something bad would just happen to them, then I would feel vindicated. Then I would feel put back together. But every time we seek to quench our spiritual thirst, going down those avenues, it leaves us more broken and empty than we were before. And when Jesus told this woman, go call your husband and come here. He wasn't just talking like everybody else in town, making fun of her and putting her down. He was saying, I have something to offer you that you have never received before. I know who you are, and I know how broken you are. But Jesus was telling this woman, I love you anyways. I'm willing to keep talking to you anyways. Jesus is the living water who satisfies the spiritual thirst of the broken. And I also want you to see this in verses 19 through 26. Jesus satisfies the thirst of the confused. This woman was alienated and she was broken. She was also confused. 
Look at verse 19. You know, after Jesus has basically said, here's all the bad stuff you've done in your life. She says in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah, the Anointed One, is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Jesus satisfies the thirst of the confused. I'll spare you a lot of the details of the history between the Jews and the Samaritans. But you know from this story and others in the New Testament that Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. They did not get along. Not only were they a, a different race, you know, the Jews were descendants of the tribe of Judah. Samaritans were descendants of the, of the northern tribes of Israel mixed in with some other groups of people. They also practiced their religion in different ways. The Jews held to the fact that Jerusalem was the place where God had placed His holy temple and was the place where He was to be worshipped. The Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim. The Jews held to the five books of the law as well as the other writings and the prophets being God's Word. The Samaritans just held to the first five books being the Word of God. There were differences, major differences between these two groups. And this woman had grown up, even in the midst of her social alienation and her, relation, her broken relationships, she had grown up hearing the religious jargon of her day. The Jews worship in Jerusalem. They worship one God. We Samaritans, we worship on Gerizim, and we're the right ones. We worship the true God from here, and we, we read these scriptures, and we act this way. The fact is, she had been caught in the midst of all the arguments. I mean, if she was on Facebook back in that day, you could just have imagined the, the banter back and forth that was going on, right? Between the Jews and the Samaritans. And in all honesty, it had really confused her. And it might have kind of been a deflection tactic so that Jesus wouldn't have dealt with her sin that she really needed dealt with. But it could have been that she realized, man, I'm talking to a genuine prophet of God and this is a question that has been burning on my heart for years. I need to know the truth. If he's telling me the truth about my life, maybe he can tell me the truth about these things that I really long to know. Jesus, which of these groups of people are right? The Samaritans that I've grown up with and have taught me all this stuff? Or you Jewish people? 
And Jesus said, well, look, you need to understand something. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. In other words, you haven't listened to all of the writings and the prophets to understand what God is doing, how He's orchestrating to bring the Messiah into this world to save you from your sins. We Jews worship what we know because God has chosen this group of people to send His Messiah into the world through them. But Jesus said, listen and understand. It's not about being Samaritan or Jewish. It's not about worshiping in Jerusalem or in Gerizim. It's about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. It's about engaging God in worship with all of your mind and all of your heart. It's not just about rules and regulations and laws and legalism. It is about love and respect and a relationship with the one who made you in his image and for his glory. You see, no matter which of these groups that she engaged with in conversation, Jewish people or Samaritans, it was always about laws and rules. You do this, you don't do that. That's what gives you a relationship with God. Jesus came and said, no, it's not about laws and rules. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. It's about a loving relationship with the Father in heaven who loves you. It's about respecting Him and revering Him and truly obeying Him from your heart. And there is no outward work that you can do that can give you a right relationship with God. It's a work that God does in your heart, calling you to Himself, drawing you to worship Him that gives you this relationship with the Father. And would you know what Jesus says to this woman in verse 23? The Father is seeking such to worship Him. Jesus was coming to this woman to give her living water. We might read this passage and think, oh, this lady's just coming to the well to get water. No. God was doing a greater work here. And maybe she was just starting to get it and grasp it. She hadn't come to the well to get water. Jesus had come to the well to give her living water. The Father was seeking a relationship with her. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know. Maybe one of the reasons that this woman had been through five broken marital relationships and was now with a boyfriend that was no good for her was because she never had a man in her life who loved her and who showed her the affection and the attention that she needed. And maybe she'd been seeking it elsewhere all of her life. Could you imagine that statement Jesus made to her? The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. You mean... That there is somebody who wants me. That there is somebody who is willing to come after me. That there is someone who is willing to protect me and to provide for me. Who is able to give me everything that I've ever needed. This woman at this point was more than just interested and intrigued at what Jesus had to offer. 
She wanted the living water. And she said, I know the Messiah is coming. The prophets point to him and talked about him. When he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And it's almost like she's making the statement of, you said some really good stuff. I know that you're a prophet of God. I've been listening to you. But when this Messiah comes, he's he's going to tell us everything that God wants us to know. And it's almost like without asking the question, she's asking the question, are you him? Is it really you? And he says, I am. I'm he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one of God. I'm the living water. And I have come for you. All of this religious confusion that she had dealt with through her life dissipated and was drowned in the flood of the living water that was now pouring into her soul. Jesus is the living water who satisfies spiritual thirst. He satisfies the thirst of the alienated, of the broken, and of the confused. Hey, listen to me. You might be here this morning. You might have heard about the differences between Baptists and Catholics and Methodists and Presbyterians and this church and that church and who reads this version of the Bible and who reads that version of the Bible and what group of people sings this kind of songs and plays that kind of music. Listen to me. You might have heard all kinds of rules and regulations and laws and legalistic stuff that Christians are supposed to do or have to do in order to have a right relationship with God. But the truth is this. You didn't come here today. The Lord has come here to give you living water. Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose again to forgive you of all the wrong that you've done, to enable you to forgive all the wrong that others have done to you. He's come to give you eternal life so that you don't have to keep going back to these empty wells to quench the real longing and thirst that's in your heart. It's not about following rules. It's not about joining a specific church or doing a bunch of stuff on a list. It's about choosing to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died for you, and rose again. That is what it means to receive the living water. You may have a thousand questions about the Bible and about religion. Every single one of those questions is answered in God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's what you need to know more than anything. That is what will satisfy the spiritual thirst that you have. In spite of all the confusion you may be dealing with. Jesus is the living water who satisfies spiritual thirst. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you're here today, if you're alienated, if you're broken, if you're confused, if you're depressed, if you're empty, if you're falling apart, 
whatever the reason you are spiritually thirsty, come to Jesus. He is the living water who will satisfy your spiritual thirst. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, a song of invitation is going to be played. And as this song is played, I just want to ask you and encourage you to respond to God as He spoke to your heart this morning. You honestly may be here today and you might be spiritually thirsty and you might not have realized it until you walked in and heard from God's Word today about how Jesus can really satisfy the spiritual thirst you have within you. You might not have realized that you were spiritually thirsty until you heard that. You might have come in here today knowing that you are spiritually thirsty and that everything that you've tried in this world to satisfy your soul has failed. Jesus is the one who can satisfy your spiritual thirst. And He will. You'll simply come to Him in faith. If you'll turn away from your sins, all the stuff that you've tried to fill your heart and your life with, if instead you'll build your life upon the love of God, the love that He has shown for you in sending His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, that same Jesus who died for you was buried and rose again, if you'll believe in Him in faith, then you will drink deeply of the living water and you will never thirst again.